Hi, welcome to Dispatches from the Mind War. I'm Jim Stewartson. So I've been putting off this episode for a while just because it's a difficult subject um, in general. Um, so I've been procrastinating, um, but I think it's really important. Um, some of the the most kind of successful threads I had on Twitter and and the subjects that that got both the most positive and negative attention was around the subject of undue influence, also known as brainwashing. Um, brainwashing is an old term uh, that that comes from um, Chinese um, mind control techniques. Um, it's been around, you know, for 70 years or something. I don't like it. It sounds like, you know, your brain should be minty fresh by the end. Uh, but you, that's obviously not the case. Um, so... Uh, undue influence uh, is a better term um, because it it covers I think better the spectrum of phenomenon that that we really are talking about when we're talking about brainwashing um, just to go back to kind of the beginning of, of my experience with all of this um, when I, I first started looking into QAnon, um, the first thing I noticed when I went to QAnon Twitter, and at that point it had been largely segmented off into its own kind of world. Uh, Twitter wouldn't put up with you know QAnon trolls um, coming to harass Chrissy Teigen anymore, so you know they they left everything there. They just kind of walled it off, but. All you had to do was search for one thing and it would suck you right in. Um, anyway, so I, I actually did a, as an aside, I'll, I'll uh, put a link to a 15-minute video I did of that process of going to QAnon for the first time. Um, anyway, one of the first things I noticed was the complete lack of empathy or you know just human kindness of any kind other than very sort of internal over emotional kind of um well cult-like um uh, uh, attachment to one another without with a complete rejection of everything else. So so they had all of their positive emotions seemed to be extremely insul insulated. Um and all of their neg and everything else was negative emotions. There was no connection it seemed from their emotional lives, their sort of normal human, you know, feelings, and the way they were behaving. 
and um, it was there was a unanimity of that behavior and also of the overall messaging that did not seem natural at all to me. It was the first thing I noticed was like, what's going on here? Why are all these people acting like angry zombies and why are they all acting the same? And it, you know, pretty quickly became obvious that, you know, this was not just a cult, but um, what I referred to as an industrial brainwashing machine. Basically, all of, you know, QAnon Twitter and, you know, QAnon Facebook, they were these just grinders where you would kind of get sucked into these places and like you just see all this anger and stuff but at the same time you would get loved by people if they saw that you were one of them right so you know when I had my kind of sock QAnon sock puppet accounts of course I was like you know Trump fan 1776 you know um as a as a way of just sort of blending in and it worked you know i just like some stuff and retweet some stuff and all of a sudden you know i'm just getting love bombed by everyone so i'm getting love bombed by these people but the messages that they're promoting are fucking horrible <coughs> racist xenophobic homophobic anti-Semitic, um, you know, not to mention all of the, you know, kind of offshoots of it, the fucking UFOs and the theosophy I am, like, stuff, um, you know, dominionism and Christofascism and, you know, all of these sort of different strains of belief kind of just woven on the outside of this very core central kind of ideology which is you know that white middle class America is under attack by you know communists and which includes <laughs> all minorities of course and you know all of that um, and it was also you know obviously deeply misogynistic um, even though half the people in it were women. Um, but that's how these things work. They, they rob you of your, of your own ethical and moral framework. So, you know, I saw that this was clearly a cult, that these people were obviously brainwashed is the way I was thinking of it at the time and it struck me holy shit if this really is a cult you know like Scientology or you know the Jim Jones cult or David Koresh I mean, what the hell do we have on our hands here right it's not, you know, 50,000 Scientologists or, you know, whatever, or 100 people in Waco. 
It's, a, it's fucking millions, tens of millions of people who believe this stuff. Are they all brainwashed? Are they all, I mean, what the fuck? So that moment, like that kind of what the fuck moment is what still drives me. Like the fact that there are so many people whose brains have been changed, who have been psychologically assaulted and changed. Um, What the hell are we going to do about that? And it was one of the first things I did was I, I, I went and sought out experts, um, including at cult expert. I'll give him a shout out, Dr. Stephen Hassan, who became a friend. And um, I learned from him. Um, and it became clear that the solution of basically replicating a whole bunch of Dr. Hassan's was not going to happen. He's been doing it for 40 or 45 years now. Um, And the process of, you know, reaching people, um, you know, ethically, um, finding common ground and and working with them to bring them back out of their undue influence is a very difficult and time-consuming thing for professionals. And so, you know, that kind of realization was really depressing, um, to be honest with you. Because what are we going to do with all of these people? So here's another word that um, I don't like to use anymore, which is deprogramming. Deprogramming sounds like, you know, I mean, and they used to do this, you know, 40, 50 years ago. They would, you know, they basically run an operation and kind of go physically rescue somebody from a compound somewhere, right? Pull them out of there and, and quote unquote, deprogram them. Um, you know, which sounds horrible, um, you know, but really involves talking to the person and helping them figure out that they have been hurt. They've been traumatized and lied to and the beliefs that they have are not real and um, you know and you used to have to do that because the way that people would get you know brainwashed or come under the influence of of undue influence is that you know they would basically need to physically confine you, right? Um, and that that's why, you know, these, like, 
cult events go on for 12 hours at a time and they just grind you down is because they, you know, they want to keep you in these, you know, in an insulated echo chamber for as long as possible. The thing about the internet is they don't need that anymore. They don't need to, to physically take you to a compound somewhere. Just somebody introduces you to Telegram, right? Somebody gets you into the kind of ecosystem, the pipeline of the, you know, QAnon right-wing propaganda vortex, um, you know, that I have spent so much of my time um, trying to shine a light on. Uh, So, Undue Influence... um, is a is I I have come to believe is really a spectrum. It is a continuum, as it were. Um, you know, all the way from people just kind of being lied to, you know, maybe even about just another person, right? That's a form of brainwashing, right? You're you're repeating a lie getting an idea in their head that isn't true and making them behave in a way that isn't real, right? This shit happens at, like, work all the time, right? People just whisper shit about each other, you know? Some of it's true, some of it isn't. Um, so that's very sort of mild form of it because it can be fairly easily corrected, right? Uh, but if you if you take that to the next level, right? And find a way to lie to somebody about an entire group of people, an entire class of people, or say Hillary Clinton, right? You get them in an echo chamber where they're not getting any real information. All they're getting is these lies and you can make people believe anything. There was a, um, a CNN broadcast a couple of days ago where this guy um, was on the phone with his dad. He was in Ukraine, in Mariupol. And his, he, he was calling his dad in Russia to say, hey, we're getting bombed by Putin. And his dad would not believe him. He would not believe his son that there were bombs, much less that Putin was dropping them. Patty Hearst, who was this de- you know, debutante, um, was captured by the Symbionese Liberation Army and um, brainwashed into becoming a soldier for them. She had an AK-47 and went and, and robbed banks um, because they put her in a closet and traumatized her until she had no choice but to believe what they were telling her in order to survive. But again, that's on the kind of extreme end of the spectrum. But, you know... Look at Ashley Babbitt. She's not that different 
from Patty Hearst, in a way. Um, you know, she wasn't a debutante. She was a veteran, and so she had, you know, the skills already to pick up a gun. Um, but she was not a, a, you know, some kind of insane, violent cult member by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and, you know, she was the first person to try and break into Nancy Pelosi's office to kidnap and, according to the mob, to hang her. I mean, they had zip ties, right? She was not some kind of crazy woman before. She was a teacher and, and, a, and yeah, a veteran. But, you know, until she, until her mom introduced her to QAnon, and her mom still believes it, um, you know, she was normal, relatively speaking. So it's really, you know, if, if there's one, again, one subject that has gotten me kind of the most emotional kind of feedback both ways, positive and negative, is the idea that Ashley Babbitt and people like her in the cult, um, are victims at least in part. So my my feeling about all about this is relatively clear, I think, which is until the point you commit crimes, I think everyone deserves the benefit of the doubt to try and help them escape these beliefs. If you commit a crime, like Ashley Babbitt, Ashley Babbitt is a terrorist. Now, was she a terrorist who was, you know, a victim of undue influence? She absolutely was. But there are many, many people who are brainwashed by QAnon and were not trying to get into Nancy Pelosi's office. If there's something about you that allows that to happen, then, um, you know, for me, that's just where I draw the line. Like, lots of people refuse to commit crimes under lots of different circumstances. So, when... When I mention to people, um, you know, when I used to on Twitter at least, that, um, you know, people in the cult, no matter how they behave, need, cannot be dehumanized and they cannot be given up on. Right? And that's kind of the biggest pushback I get is like, you know, oh, they're just, they're too far gone. They're never coming back, right? Well, 
30% of the people in the country don't believe Joe Biden is president. Now, last I checked, you know, writing off 30% of the country is not in the cards, right? How, how are you going to address these people? So one of the one of the things that I did that was, you know, most difficult and challenging was you know, really looking into, okay, what are the psychological underpinnings of this? How, how do, what is really going on in people's heads? How do they get actually indoctrinated? What is the impact of trauma? Um, so... Trauma, let me just do this. Let me talk about trauma for a second. Um, trauma is a uh, is damage, basically, um, that happens to the brain when it needs to protect itself from very, very painful input um, and you know the the reason why things like PTSD exist is because trauma causes damage in order to as I said protect the victim of of the experience of the painful experience um from, you know, even more permanent damage, right? Um, and it's not unhealthy necessarily. I mean, it's, it is the natural way our minds um, deal with, you know, extreme pain. In, in very extreme circumstances when the mind um, really just cannot be you know in itself anymore you know some people will you know faint right um, that's the kind of kind of oldie uh, way of thinking about somebody who has been you know shocked or hurt too much to deal anymore. But that doesn't usually happen. You don't usually pass out from being shocked or, or having something horrible happen. Um, but what does happen often is what's called dissociation. Now, if you've ever been in an extremely difficult situation, especially, you know, violent one or you know something that just shocks you to your core you may have been dissociated you may have felt this um, and it's very much feels like separating out of your body not 
physically. I don't mean like, you know, the stories about out-of-body experiences. I just mean inside, you're, you kind of pull off your, what, what I will call executive functions um, into a place where you're just kind of observing the rest of you. Because what the rest of you is experiencing is so terrible that you're not able to, you won't be able to function anymore unless you separate. That's, you know, I'm being colloquial. But, you know, it's happened to me a number of times. um, And... um, you know, I can say that, you know, thank God for it, honestly. It can be, it it really does save you from being, you know, just tortured and scarred forever in many circumstances. But it also leaves you in an incredibly vulnerable state. Um when when you're in that state when you're dissociated you you're you're in extreme part of you is in extreme pain part of you is you know kind of separated out and observing and what happens at that point um uh you know matters when you're in that state, how it resolves or doesn't resolve is very important. Um, and it is no accident that every single cult that I can think of, at least every um, you know high control, dangerous cult that I can think of, uses trauma to indoctrinate and um, their victims and enforce um, the the rules and the ideology. So, um, with that in mind, with that background in mind. Um, Let's let's tell a story. I told this story on Twitter. Some of you may have remember this thread, but this is the way that is the easiest way for me to think about it and maybe communicate how how this whole process kind of works. So let's imagine we have um, a woman named Jane. She's forties got a couple kids say she's in Ohio um you know she's uh she's been a democrat forever but she lives in a in a pretty purple state and you know and um she has lots of friends from the other side of the aisle and that's okay she hangs out with them at church they go to you know, they, they socialize at soccer games and all that good stuff, right? 
perfectly normal American, you know, kind of person. Also, highly desirable demographic, right? Um, in swing state, um, uh, and, you know, someone um, who is a target. So, um, imagine one day, you know, uh, right after church, um, a friend of hers, call her Laura, says, hey, Jane, um, you know, I, you, you ever talk about, um, or, or you know anything about child trafficking? Jane says, well, I, I, I certainly know it, it exists, and it's obviously terrible. Why, why do you ask? She says, well, you know, I'm in this group of people who's trying to, who's really trying to do something about child trafficking, and I wanted to send you a video to, just to kind of show you what we're up to. And Jane says, sure, of course, why not? No reason to think anything wrong with that. So Jane gets home, and you know, kids are outside, she grabs a glass of wine, looks at the video. The video is very strange to Jane. She doesn't quite understand what she's seeing. You know, it's a cue, trust the plan. Um, there's this, you know, very sort of interesting but trance like music going on you know and there's a the the actor seems to be reading in this very kind of interesting um you know almost monotonal cadence um and and Jane is pretty pretty quickly sucked in. It's intriguing. It seems mysterious and interesting. And then, you know, just as she's starting to kind of get into it and feel, you know, uh, interested in what's going on, these horrible images of, of, of you know, tortured and hungry and beaten kids come in. And, um, you know, just the worst things you, you can imagine with the, you know, this scary soundtrack. And she's shocked. Oh, my God. What? Who did this to these kids? Right? That's, you know, especially for a mother. That's going to be the first thing you think of. Right? Who did this to these kids? Because they are real pictures, unfortunately, of hurt children. And, you know, after watching this very slick kind of opening, she, she has to kind of believe that, you know, at least there's something to it. And then the answer comes. The answer, of course, to... Who did it? Well, Hillary Clinton and the Democrats and George Soros and Barack Obama and 
representatives from every other minority group that you can think of interweaved with these pictures of these tortured and traumatized children you know pictures of evil Hillary and then Soros and then a star of David and then you know cackling um, you know monsters all very very well produced and rapidly cut to kind of imprint all of these images subliminally in Jane's mind and it's too much for her and she dissociates she she can't take it anymore she can't take her eyes away from it but she also can't take seeing what she's seeing could they have really done this to these kids right so she's in this this very vulnerable state her mind is separate it's it's the, her emotions are so strong that she can't she she has to suppress them and so she has this kind of you know rational mind above that's just you know very calm about the whole thing you know waiting to see what happens and after you know an interminable amount of time of this you know brutal imagery um everything changes again and the music switches to patriotic songs and you know images of of clouds and children and um um pictures of Donald Trump Vladimir you know not Vladimir Putin back then but these days Vladimir Putin would show up um you know Julian Assange um Q all of the patriots right um whatever QAnon accounts that that are being promoted swoop in as the solution to the evil that's being done to these children right and remember Jane is in a dissociated state she's she is in pain so much pain from seeing these kids and what's been done to them and then the solution comes right and seals that pain off seals it off in a way says don't worry about that we got you and kind of appeals to the part of Jane that is separate and it works you know after just one video Jane has now had imprinted on her into into the most vulnerable part of her um, that Hillary Clinton abuses, eats, 
sucks the blood from children, whatever the that particular video says. Um, you know that Soros and the and the Jews are are behind it all, right? Um, and that Donald Trump and Mike Flynn and Q are going to save these children. That's why Save the Children became a QAnon slogan. It was because that's what they thought it was about. They believed it. They believed these videos because the videos are designed to give you no choice. And again, that is the most important component here. Jane did not choose to be brainwashed by this video, to be traumatized by it, to be dissociated by it, to have lies gaslit into her subconscious from watching it. But she did. But it doesn't stop there, of course. It's just one video. Um, but Jane's compelled. She's Laura. Oh my God, is this real? It can't, it's not real, is it? And remember, she's hurt. She's shaken. And Laura says, oh, I know it's hard to see. But, but we have to do it for the children. We have to watch it. We have to, we have to come to grips with what's happening. Why don't you come over? I'll show you some more. Now Jane doesn't necessarily want to see any more of that, but she does feel that it's she's. Just being a responsible mother and a responsible American to go see what's really happening here. Politics hasn't even really entered her mind other than the fact that, you know, Donald Trump was in the video. She's focused on the kids. Anyway, she goes she goes over to Laura's and they have some wine and and and, and Laura shows her all these websites and they watch all these videos and they spend hours and hours and, and Jane's mind gets more and more fractured each time she watches these videos and sees these lies. And Laura shows her there are these huge communities all over the place. Look at this Telegram channel. Look at this Facebook group. There's so many of us. We can't all be wrong. That makes sense to Jane. So Jane signs up for Telegram, joins the Facebook groups, starts investigating on her own. She does her own research.
and gradually over the course of a few weeks or a few months, Jane becomes a victim of undue influence. Her family starts to notice she loses interest in just about everything except for Laura and her phone. She's saying all kinds of weird stuff about, you know, Democrats. She's been a Democrat all her life. About Hillary Clinton. What is, what is she talking about? She wants to go to a Trump rally? And, you know, everyone has a right to change their politics. But it doesn't seem right to anyone. Not to her husband, not to her kids, not to her family. Laura understands. Laura understands everything. She's the only one. Well, now all of her friends on Telegram, they understand. So, you know, you can see how Jane, right? could go from being a normal person to going through a psychological experience that changes her and that gets compounded on on purpose. And so what ends up happening is that, you know, that that kind of separated off personality, the one that dissociated away from all the pain and emotion, that's the one that you see, that I saw in QAnon Twitter. It's a detached kind of version, a, a ghost of the person that was there before. Now, you know, how much of the original them is left depends on how hurt they are, how victimized they've been, how coerced by propaganda and lies and, you know, cult dynamics, you know, how severe is the damage? Um, but everyone who is exposed to this for long enough is damaged. So, you know, one of the things that has driven me, as I mentioned before, is taking, trying to figure out from people like Stephen Hassan, okay, if you had Jane as a client, how would you talk to her? What would you say? What are the... What are the right ways and wrong ways to talk to cult members? And you know what? There are answers. There are answers. It's not something that normal people cannot help with. 
Again, we're not talking deprogramming. We're not talking about, you know, psychological interventions. We're just talking about rehumanizing people and understanding that the person that they know is still there. They're just trapped. They've been traumatized and dissociated and, and you know, a lot of themselves has now, now been submerged. And, and this kind of weird ghost of their former self that people always talk about, you know, it's the most common thing I used to hear is, I just don't recognize her anymore. Who is he? It's my husband, but I don't know him anymore, right? So you hear all this stuff. And you see the harm that's caused. Um, and you see that there are people who know what to do about it. And so for me, there was a, you know, and I've talked about this before, I started a whole volunteer group and I'm not going to get into all of that right now. But the whole idea of it was to, you know, take the work of these experts, people like Stephen Hassan, and just put these simple techniques into the hands of friends and family. Again, these are not sophisticated. It's just like, try and stay in touch with your loved one, no matter what. It's important because it gives them gives them a connection to the outside world that they will they may need and and here's what's important about quote deprogramming that doesn't happen it doesn't exist you can help people find their own way out but they have to find their own way out and yes talk therapy helps you know, there are certain meds that can help. Um, it is a DSM-5 psychiatric disorder called Other Specified Dissociative Disorder. It's a real thing. It can be treated. And there are ways to help people with this condition that don't involve experts. Say hi, stay in touch. Don't push back against the ideology of the cult. So important. The more that you say that what they believe is not true, the more you prove to them that you are the enemy. The cult wants them, the victim, to see you, the loved one, as an enemy don't buy into it you're not going to convince them that Q isn't real by telling them that Q isn't real what you can do is keep that connection to them and help them 
remember who they used to be. They, you know, reminisce about times where there was no cults involved, right? Where this divide didn't exist. Where you were just people. Right? Not as a, you know, a physician and a, and a patient. As a person talking to another person who has a disorder. A disorder caused by trauma and dissociation. So, I'm going to, you know, write some more and probably talk some more about, you know, kind of what, <laughs> what a, a less chaotic version of what I tried to do before would be, um, which is, you know, just trying to figure out the simple educational program that will help people across the country and the world just learn how to help their loved ones help themselves. Because we've got tens of millions of people with this condition. We don't have tens of millions of cult experts so we're all going to need to get involved. <sighs> all right. Um, I'm a little bit drained. Um, this stuff is hard for me to talk about. Um, so I'm going to leave it there for right now. But, um, you know, I will, I will be writing more about this. It's been a while since I've, you know, really kind of got back into this part of things, but, you know, it is really the most important thing um, we can do is, you know, figure out how to help our fellow citizens. Um, so, anyway, thank you for listening. Um, take care.